Do you feel like it's possible to find joy and positive change within veterinary medicine? Are you looking for a community that's striving for fulfillment rather than perfection? Hey there, I'm Dr. Stacy Cordovano. I want veterinarians to learn to be happier, healthier, wealthier, and more grateful for the lives that we've created. On this podcast, I will speak with outside-of-the-box thinkers to hear new ideas on ways to improve our day-to-day lives. Welcome to The Whole Veterinarian. Today, I'm so excited to share with you my conversation with Dr. Alice Barker. Alice is a diversified vet out of the UK. She used to be in equine practice and now is working in the tech sector. She is a self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, and you can find her or you may know her from Instagram as This Vet Can Blog. She describes herself as a brainstorming, creative thinking, mental health prioritizing veterinarian. She wants to form a community with This Vet Can to help other veterinary professionals who don't necessarily want to stick to the vet status quo. Like her, she wants to be able to connect people who want better working environments, who want lunch breaks and want free time, and who care about themselves, their career, and their finances, as well as others. She's a delightful human being. I'm so glad to have gotten to know her, and I hope you enjoy our chat today. I think there's lots of great nuggets to take away. Platinum Performance is proud to support the whole veterinarian. For nearly 30 years, we've stood beside veterinarians with advanced nutrition for the health of your patients and practice. At Platinum Performance, we know the power of nutrition starts within. Hey, Alice, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm so glad that we're finally doing this. I know it's been, um, we were just saying before, way too long since we last spoke. So really. Yeah, no, I know. We were chatting about how it's been like two years since we first had a Zoom together after becoming Instagram friends. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you're here with me today. So let's tell listeners a little bit more about you and your story and your kind of evolution. My evolution. Yeah, sure. So I'm Alice. I graduated vet school in 2018 and um, became an equine vet very soon after. So I worked in New Zealand and then came back to the UK. I worked in Scotland and then just in ambulatory practice for a little while um, during lockdown and after. And I met Stacey in 2021, which is crazy. And at that time, I'd basically been isolated because I had COVID and I got really bored and started a blog because of that. As <laughs> um, and at the time, my real interests were just like workplace well-being. And a lot of my sort of one of those fun, like weird interests that you just happen to pick up in lockdown also happened to be personal finance. I'd like lots of people saved up a, a bit of money because they weren't doing anything in lockdown. And I'd started to try and work out what am I going to do with this money? Like, how does it work now? I'd always wanted to invest, but it just seemed so impossible and complicated and scary. So I just read as much as I possibly could. I'd listened to loads of podcasts and just got totally hooked and therefore sort of started writing about that on my blog quite a lot. 
and um, again started my Instagram and and started talking about that on Instagram too. So although it was like financial well being was part of the what I was talking about, I was talking about mental health, mental well being in practice, taking breaks, taking lunch breaks, um, finishing on time. But then have just started going more and more down the personal finance route because I just find it super interesting and. It's great to see veterinary community really engage with that kind of content too. Yeah, no, it's been great. And what you've shared and sort of how you've niched down into that has been really interesting to watch. So I know that you are in a new role now, and I'm curious how that transition from equine ambulatory vet went for you. Sure. So I I think it was the beginning of last year. I really wasn't very happy in my role and it took a lot of sort of thinking through and a bit of shame that I wasn't very happy in in clinical practice. Um, worked with a coach for a little bit just to try and work out what I wanted, which was so helpful and trying to basically decide, is it is it this job that I'm in right now or is it just me and actually do I want something completely different? And then moved towards finding something and the process of finding a job outside clinical practice was all so new to me and probably for lots of vets very similar it's just totally different <laughs> outside okay. of practice um so talked to loads of people and I think the best part of that and the thing that made it the easiest was just talking to and reaching out to as many vets that had made that transition before I just made a point of trying to basically book a call with people almost every um day that so I had Tuesdays off from pretty much June last year and so every single Tuesday I'd try and book a call with someone and speak to them find out what they were doing how did they do it um did they have to do any more qualifications to get there and it really just opened up a sort of world of roles that you just don't know existed because you've been in your like vet tunnel since you were about 16 yeah. years old um, yeah. and eventually found this role after quite a long time of um job searching and really excited with where I am working for a really cool um vet tech company called digital practice and um, it's pretty exciting that's awesome so okay you kind of glossed over the fact that it was a really hard transition and there was like a little bit of shame mm-hmm. I, I imagine that took a little bit more effort than than that Um, because I've talked to enough people and, you know, even toying with it myself when I was feeling really burnt out. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is a big deal because like you said, we've been thinking we were going to do the same thing since we were little kids. And so was there something that you can point out in that like introspective journey that was the most helpful for you for changing your frame of mind of like, it's not just this practice, it's, it's me not fitting into the role of an ambulatory vet? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, you're totally right. It took a very long time. And there was a lot of soul searching, talking, and going just through the whole process. I think what the coach that I worked with pointed out was that when you decide to be a vet and you do all your work experience you start applying to vet school you're so young and then like what 11 years later you're such a different person and it's very okay to have very different priority priorities very different interests and um you it's fine to have a different idea of what you want to do for the rest of your life 11 years later you're totally different and even obviously from now, 11 years later, after, I don't know, 11 years time, I'm probably going to be very different still. But from a 16 year old to now is very different. So 
that whole idea of what I wanted when I was 16 and not working out is actually pretty normal and very few people manage to sort of get that lucky like have the idea at 16 and then it actually working out is kind yeah. of crazy like most people like a policeman and it's like it might not be exactly what you're gonna do yeah when you think of it that way it is nuts or like if I'm thinking about asking my kids what they want to do and then having them actually do that I mean that sounds insane so yeah that is that's a good way to think about it great great Okay. So like you said, you've sort of dived into this personal finance idea and that's a lot of what you're sharing. And one aspect of that, which I know that you've covered is contract and salary negotiation. And actually even, I don't think we talked about this, but you had those Tuesdays off because that was an initial step that you did in changing your role, correct? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I was like, I need to give myself a bit of a breather I was pretty burnt out and asked for that four day week to give myself a bit of space and time to explore options and find out how I felt about things yeah got it okay so obviously that's one thing to negotiate but where do you start when talking about like tips or pointers or how someone should get organized to do any sort of contract negotiation whether it's like renegotiation or a brand new contract I certainly have a couple younger vets that I'm talking to now that I'm sure could use advice on their first job after internship. Yeah, it's a really tough one. And people find it so difficult and scary, even though we end up doing it so much in our lives, or like whoever has that one job their whole career, who doesn't do it, like fine, you're the massive anomaly, we end up doing it multiple times in our lives. Um, So actually getting a bit of advice or trying to work out a system for this is going to put you in much better stead and for sure it like splits off into two right it has you've got your like new job you've just got a role salary negotiation or job negotiation and then you've got your like you have your job but you just want to pay rise you want to renegotiate what you're doing at work in your current job I would say the biggest thing and like the coolest thing that we've been talking about on our Instagram is just talk to other people about their own salaries and it's feels like a very touchy like taboo kind of thing to approach someone about their salary but whenever I've been asked about my salary I'm more than happy to share it with people and I've found the same reciprocated from other people when I've spoken to them too like they just don't care they're so happy that if they can help you get a better salary great so talk to your peers and talk to your colleagues and we get people to share their salaries all the time on my Instagram so it's pretty cool and open easy breezy um even if you're not happy talking to your own current colleagues talking to people that you might have graduated with they might be like halfway across the country so you know there's no no kind of like issues it's also in the UK anyway it's definitely illegal to stop colleagues talking about their salaries is that the same in the US I really hope so it is I think some people still have it in their contracts but it is illegal yes yeah cool so always worth keeping in mind you are allowed to do that so talking to people is definitely the first step gives you an idea of sort of current climate for salaries we've found there's so many disparities between people's salaries even in the same role so when I've put out it we do a salary share session on Instagram and I'll say so like all equine vets in the UK tell me your salary and I'll share them all on my Instagram people are all over the place they're really high some of earning crazy good salaries and some are getting really nothing and it's quite disappointing but they don't know like they don't know those differences that person at the bottom end just thinks that's normal 
but they don't know that someone at the like other end of the scale is getting great money for exactly the same job. Um, so trying to find that out and knowing what the difference is, knowing if those people actually way better salaries than you out there is 100% the first step for that new role contract negotiation and also your own current pay rise too. Um, and you can even talk to recruiters you know, what are you putting out people at the moment to get? Uh, they will have a really good idea of what sort of salaries vets are on, even if you're not going to actively use their services, mm. still ask mm. them to, and they'll have a really, really good idea. And after that, it's just trying to prep yourself so that you can put yourself in as best position as possible to put forward yourself as a really good vet. And that's obviously your clinical general duties and I'm very sure that your current boss or new boss will know what sort of capabilities you have as a clinical vet, but there's so much more to it. Like what sort of CPD you're doing. If you're organizing in-house CPD, if you're doing the client evenings, if you're managing the newsletter, if you're doing social media, all the other bits and bobs, if you're mentoring new, new vets, if you're helping some of the student nurses, lots of that goes completely undetected by your bosses a lot of the time. And they're really busy people, it's not their fault. But you need to remind them of that stuff. And it's also hard to remember to go through all that in your head. So literally write it all down and have everything there just to say like, bam, 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 bam. Remember, I'm doing all this stuff, as well as just the normal salary you're giving me and as well as all my just clinical duties that all the other vets are doing too um and finally ask for what you're turning over at the practice and this is I mean I'm sure you're a practice owner practice is business business is business and it's totally fine to know what you're bringing in and turning over for the practice and your clinical director or manager should be pretty open with telling you what you're earning for the practice and that can totally help you negotiate a better role too yeah if your practice manager or boss isn't willing to share those numbers or if you don't actually get them handed to you often or have mm. access to them, that's a red flag. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. What do we want to dig into on that? I should have written notes because there was a lot covered. First of all, the salary transparency, I think is such a great idea that you're doing on Instagram. I do want to put a plug in for the AP compensation study that was just done last year. That was just for us vets, but it did create a lot more data for us to use as comparisons. And, you know, regionally it's very different, but at least you can get a sense. They broke it down by graduation years and by state and things like that. They didn't break it down, unfortunately, by the type of practice, you know, like racetrack versus general backyard okay. practice, mm-hmm. um, which is a little unfortunate, but There is a lot more information for U.S.-based vets as far as transparency on that now because that was, I think, about 1,800 AEP members who responded with like their retrospective taxable earnings. So not like what their contract says or not what they think they might earn, but it was actually like what they brought in and were taxed Mm -hmm. on in the past year. So that's helpful for people as well because I know a lot of the stuff you're sharing is U.K.-based, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Although we're getting a few more US followers now. Oh, great. What's been interesting is they're quite surprised by the UK salaries in comparison. In what way? As in, they don't think it's that much at all. (laughs) Okay. And so then as far as going into a negotiation, I just wanted to comment. I think that that additional duties that you're doing is such a good point. You know, in any practice, 
that's well run, there should be this percentage over here. It's generally about 5% of total gross revenue that goes toward management fees. And pretty much everything you listed on that falls under that. So if, if you are not getting paid for doing those duties, you really could negotiate a percentage of that on top of your salary, which could be such a great boost. Like my associate manages our inventory, which is certainly a management duty. And so she gets a percentage on top of her other salary and production-based income because she does that role. So I think that's a great idea. And also I wanted to say that if you're not doing those or if you're going into a new role and you have an interest in that, like that's just another thing to bring up and negotiate as part of a new package. Definitely. And something that a practice may absolutely love, like maybe their social mm -hmm. media is defunct and you're interested in helping with that. It would be yeah. such a great way to add a perk. For sure. And, you know, social media is so powerful. That's the practices might just be all of their marketing. And mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a huge thing for them. Having someone actually be good at that and bringing new clients because of that mm -hmm. is, I think, kind of undervalued from practices a lot of the time, but it's really, really important. Sure. Yeah, totally agree. So what other things do you hear that people worry about when they're going into negotiations? Um, a lot of it is like what to say. Are they, you know, are they going to be really nervous? Do you go in with a range? Do you have a number? I mean, it is very personal, I think, depending on you know that if you're just trying to get a pay rise at a current job and you know your boss really well, it might be totally different kind of scenario to you trying to negotiate a whole new job um but I would say having those things written down makes it a lot less scary and you can literally just bring out a list bring out a piece of paper if you've got it with you and there's nothing wrong with that and I would say as well is that uh well from my perspective anyway my experience if you go in with a range your potential new employer or your current employer is much more likely to go with a lower end of the range because why wouldn't they? So try and not go in with a range. I would always say go in with a number, a number that's probably a little bit scary for you that's like, oh, got us on the edge. And if they negotiate down, they're probably going to come back down to a number that's actually you would want wanting to aim for anyway. Um, but I would definitely say with going that with that top number, do not give them a range. And a lot of people can talk themselves out of it then. So tell them what you're doing. Give people warning that you want to talk about this and don't just spring it on, you know, like you wouldn't want your your employees to spring it on you while you're having a coffee one day. You need to be prepared as well. And giving your employee a bit of warning that you're going to set up this meeting. Is that OK? Great. Set a time, date. Come in with all your preparation. Tell them what you're after. Give them all the reasons and all the evidence. You've, you've spoken to peers, colleagues, recruiters. This is sort of market value at the moment. And then stop talking. <laughs> don't talk yourself out of it then just wait for them to come back with you. And the other thing is that people have feel like they're going to have to like really make a decision or say yes or no on the spot. You can always say, do you know what? I just want to think about it. Can I go away for a couple of days? And I'll get back to you in 48 hours. That's totally fine as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And someone, I think it might've been Amy Grice describes negotiation as like, it's not a bad thing, right? You're you're working together. I mean, hopefully you want to be working together, right? If you're taking this job or you're considering taking a job or you have the job. And so think of it just as a discussion and maybe it's a slightly difficult one because like you said, money, talking about money always gets a little funny, but ultimately it's your well-being on the line and you have to advocate for yourself, but it shouldn't be really negative. It's really mm -hmm. kind of a back and forth to get everybody to a place where they 
feel comfortable and yeah, you know totally. and you've got to remind yourself as well and I have to tell myself this to make me feel more comfortable about um negotiating people expect you to negotiate so if you don't it's a bit of a surprise so why wouldn't you <laughs> you yeah. might as well it's an expectation and it's business and I think the other thing is if you're comfortable talking about money and this money is about your money but in your job you're going to be talking about money to your clients all day every day pet owners have to pay for what you give them and a lot of that is just money discussion so if you're comfortable talking about money with new employers that gives them a great sign that actually oh they're totally fine with this kind of discussion it's just business they're really comfortable you know a great candidate and gives you a much better setting oh that's a great point I love that and Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about it that way but that is really true we do it all day long um (laughs) Okay. So then kind of switching directions. I know you also like to talk about investing. So considering that this salary is our money and we need it to work for us and granted things are going to be different in the UK versus the US, I guess maybe just give people some pointers or some like whys behind the reason you feel like investing is so worthwhile to kind of figure out. Yeah. And it is. And I would say it's so important and way, way less scary and complicated than people think. So the other thing to remember is that you have to just start investing knowing that you're not going to be perfect or a professional at investing and that everybody does that. Everyone who was a first time investor at some point. And I think it is really, really important. We obviously all know how crazy inflation rates are at the moment, probably the same for you as it is for us. Mm-hmm. And in order to beat that inflation, your money is not going to do anything in just a normal cash bank account, hopefully very much the same in America. Um, It'll only grow and keep up with and hopefully exceed that inflation if you keep it invested. And I think a lot of that talk around investing is probably scary because people think, oh, I'm going to lose my money, the market's going to drop, you have those sort of, you've seen on the news, the sort of massive market crashes, Black Friday. It sounds very dramatic. But when you look at the US S&P 500, so like the index of all the biggest 500 biggest companies in the US, from the beginning of record up until 2023, it has only ever gone up and continue to go up. Despite those drops, it's always gone back up again. So from looking back at history, your money is pretty safe. And obviously, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not <laughs> saying what you should do with your money. But um, for me, once I started learning about investing, learning about personal finance, knowing how much of a difference it can make to your future, the age you retire, how comfortably you can retire, you realize that actually you do need to start doing something as early as possible. Obviously, time in the market is better than timing the market. So just getting your money in from early 20s in really easy funds is way better than trying to work out when's the best time to buy, when's the best time to sell. I just invest every single month at the same time now and don't even think about it. But the cool thing is that there are so many resources now, lots of resources, especially for girls, because it feels like a very much like a boys club and Mm -hmm probably what put me off a bit more as well for a very long time I didn't really feel welcome in that kind of industry but there's so many cool podcasts apps books that are just all about girls investing and it's really really cool that's awesome yeah I think you just have to think about it as a long-term goal right you're like you're not putting money in the stock market or some investing fund 
for a short-term gain, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't work out. But like you said, historically speaking, the S&P has only gone up and will continue to do so according to literally every person who (laughs) projects things. Um, Great. So, okay, speaking of resources, any suggestions for negotiation resources? The Financial Feminist is a really good podcast they talk about everything personal finance, but I know they specifically do quite a lot of stuff about negotiation. And I learned quite a lot of good negotiation tips from their podcast. So it's Financial Feminist slash Her First 100K. Um, Tori Dunlap, who does that, is very badass um, mm. lady. And she does do lots of salary negotiation, negotiation stuff. And I think they also even do like a whole, you can do a whole course or like a coaching session with, for salary negotiation too with them. Um, I'd probably say that's like my top tip. Okay. And you have some scripts on your Instagram for sure. So people could look that up as well. I would also throw in the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's an interesting read, but also really, really informative. And then resources for investing that you love. My favorites are, there's a really cool app that I got at the beginning of the year that's called Your Juno. And it's now free for everyone, which is awesome. Basically, it's kind of like mini bite-sized lessons. Obviously, is ever the same as everyone else? I have the attention span of a gnat. So having everything bite-sized is perfect. But they talk you through all aspects of investing um, on this app, but also loads of the different topics like um, property, also salary negotiation for them too. Um, relationships and money, money mindset, but they have a, a huge folder on investing and it's just like really cool little bite-sized nuggets. When you complete stuff, you win points and then when you win points, you can like even get prizes. So it's like that incentive is great. Oh, yeah. yeah, they've um, really like figured out how to get it done. Yeah, <laughs> But um, also I would say the Instagram account, Girls That Invest is awesome. They basically openly talk about investing all the time. They just post about updates in the stock market. They're just this really cool like duo of two mid to late 20s Kiwi girls who started investing when they were like early 20s and have just grown this huge community of people that have started investing alongside them. And they just talk about it all the time. They're totally like real down to earth, normal people talk about the struggles of like, do I spend this money on my like skincare routine or do I invest it? Which is just all like kind of normal problems and conundrums. They've also brought out a really cool book that's just called Girls That Invest as well. I just finished a couple of weeks ago and it was great. It was just like for me, who's been investing for a couple of years now, it was really cool to go through all the basics again, make sure I actually know everything. And then they dived into some more in-depth stuff too. So it com- takes you from like complete beginner to you feel like you could have a really good shot and know exactly what you're doing with investing afterwards. Awesome. That's great. I don't know that account, so I will check it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people connect with you, find more about you, things like that? So I am on Instagram, as we said, it's called at thisvetcan underscore blog. I also got my website and blog, which is just thisvetcan.co.uk. So find me on there. More than happy to talk to anyone. Please DM me, reach out if you want to. And I can chat anytime about money, any time of any day. <laughs> so don't hesitate to reach out. Perfect. And I'll make sure those are all in the show notes so people can get to them easily. Thanks again for your time. This was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. I so very much appreciate you spending some of your time with me. I know how valuable it is. 
If you want to do me a favor, please share this episode or any of the episodes with a friend to spread the word. And you can also hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you never miss another episode. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.